0: All right, there's copies of Psalm 34 going around, and then um, people are coming in. There was a wedding or a wedding shower yesterday, and people are still scrubbing. So let's pray. I Father, what a beautiful treat this this last week, Lord. The rain that came and uh, how much we needed that. for that. We're grateful. We're also grateful for preserving us. That hell came down and just riveted and pounded things, Lord, that you preserved us. We thank you for the promise of rain this week. We pray that you would bless us with the rain. Uh, A little less violence in the rain, Lord, would be nice, but we pray for the rain, and we pray for uh, all that we need. And now, Lord, as we jump into this uh, class, as we move into Psalm 34, we ask you to guide us and help us and draw us close to you, that when we're done, It's not just details and data and facts and all of that, but it really is knowing you better that we may glorify you by enjoying you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're at Psalm 34 is where we are. And I'll explain my title in a minute. This is Praises from A to Z. All right, Psalm 34... Let's begin, starting with the inscription. By the way, the inscription is actually, it is the whole first verse in Hebrew. So if you were to put up a Hebrew Bible, instead of it being 22 verses, there's actually 23 verses because the inscription is the first verse. And you know what, and I just keep stressing that that is part of inspired scripture, and there's one more piece of evidence that that's the case. Okay, so starting with the inscription of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. So that he drove him out, and he went away. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought Yahweh, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear Yahweh, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, and those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Yahweh. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good, keep your tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil and do good, and seek peace and pursue it? The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of Yahweh is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, Yahweh hears and delivers them, out of all their troubles Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit many are the afflictions of the righteous but Yahweh delivers him out of them all he keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned Yahweh redeems the life of his servants none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned that was psalm 34 there's Can somebody hand out the rest of those copies? There's some folks that came in. Susan's here. More around the side. So what were some things that you noticed? Was there anything in there you noticed maybe that drew you back to a previous psalm, like maybe the last psalm? Anything that points you forward? Any repeats? Any kind of thematic connections in the psalm? Yeah, bones. Yeah. That was in Psalm uh, 33. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. I oh, don't know, Psalm 32. He's talking about wasting away because he didn't confess his sins and stuff. Yeah, sorry. I'm awake. I am awake. What else? What other things did you notice? Anybody else? Anything else? Okay. Always. And uh, if you go, um, you'll see it sometimes in the Psalms, but you'll see it a lot in Jeremiah and Isaiah. It'll say capital L, little o, little r, little d, capital G, capital O, capital D. So it's the same thing there. When you see the, the name of God in caps, that's Yahweh. So there it's Lord Yahweh, okay, or Adonai Yahweh. And so, um, but here when it's just, when it's all caps for Lord, it's always Yahweh in Hebrew, always. Yeah, and that's just the translator. Remember, that's a translator's code for you to know that's God's personal name, his covenant name, okay? All right, so I'm calling this Praises from A to Z, and I'll explain it here in just a minute. Here's how it's, it breaks down. And there's uh, this. Sorry, this is just the way it hit my head. Tell it slant, verses one through ten. And I'll explain that in a minute. And then verses one through ten breaks down into three parts: greedy praise, verse one through three; ground of praise, four through seven; engendering praise, eight through ten. And then tell it straight. That's most the rest of the Psalm, eleven through twenty-one, where it's mandate and motivation. And then verse 22 uh, is tell it, okay? And I'll explain why I set it apart because it's unique in this particular psalm, in Psalm 34. We already did that, so let's go this way. Here we go. So here's why I'm using the tell it slant. This is Emily Dickinson's poem, okay? Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success and circuit lies too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children ease with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, and every man, or every man be blind. I don't know why, but that just stuck in my head as I was working through the psalm, and I thought, ah, oh, tell it slant, tell it straight, tell it. Just work. There's, there's why I got the points away, too. That's all the culture I have. I have no more culture beyond that, all right? And there's a psalm, there's a hymn that we sing that actually draws in Psalm 34. We're going to sing it tonight in the evening service. And I love it because it actually encapsulates much of the themes in this, this one. This is just four of the verses. Through all the changing scenes of life and trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. Of His deliverance I will boast to all that are distressed. from my example comfortate and charm their griefs to rest. Or magnify the Lord with me; with me exalt His name. When in distress to Him I called, He to my rescue came. And this is my favorite. I used to use this at the bottom of all my emails. Fear Him, ye saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. Make you His service your delight; He'll make your wants His care. And so that's hymn number uh, 624 in our hymn book, which is drawing in all, most almost all of Psalm 34. So. So, regarding the superscriptions, at the very top, okay, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Just some background. First off, anybody know the story behind that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the story in general. Yes, yeah, that what you're gonna say? Well, you got to have the first part of the story. So he goes to the tabernacle, and there is a Ahimelech. Don't get him confused with Abimelech. Okay, sounds familiar or close. But he goes to Ahimelech. And he says, I'm on a secret mission. I'm on a special ops mission from the king. Right? So he's running for his life. He's probably lying to his teeth a little bit there. He says, I don't have a sword. I had to leave so quick. I need food for my men and I need a sword. Do you have any food? So there's a showbread. And Jesus will use this story when he talks later when the Pharisees are judging him about uh, his men eating grain on the Sabbath day. He will use that story. But then he says, I didn't bring a sword. I was in such a hurry to leave on this secret mission. I don't have a sword. Is there a sword here? Oh, well, there's Goliath's armor and Goliath's sword that you left here dedicated to the Lord. Great. I need that sword. So he goes to, uh, to where Achish is, where the king Achish is in Goth, which is where Goliath is from. He walks into Goth with Goliath's sword. No wonder they closed the gates and said, "Capture that boy!" And so his ploy is—I mean, his life is threatened. He walked into the lion's den with the lion's cubs, so to speak, right? And it—and so he is—he's made himself a target by doing that, right? And so it is—a—it's a stressful moment. And there he does. Played the insane part, foaming at the mouth and scratching the walls and all those other things he was doing. And finally, Achieve says, I don't, I've don't. got enough crazy people in my town. Get rid of him. So they let him out and he's gone. Okay, so he plays the insanity game. And yet you will notice he never brings that part up in this psalm. He actually tells you the deliverance was not because of his momentary insanity, but it was something else. Keep that in mind. So that's the background. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Abimelech versus Achish, okay? Just because uh, it is puzzling a little bit. Um, But Abimelech means, "Abi, my father, Melech is king. My father is king, okay? That's probably the title of Achish, not his name. Okay, I'm trying to, so you'll understand that there's no mistake in the passage. It's just our understanding is usually not very clear. But that's why it says when it says in, that uh, when he left, fled Abimelech, right? He fled, he was, I fled Akish. Akish was the king's name. Abimelech was his title. Does that make sense? Does that help any? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Pharaoh was a Tutankhamun? Was it whatever? His title was Pharaoh. And then had a different name. So it's the same thing here. And that's important to know because. Um, He's not talking about the priest Ahimelech, even though the names sound very, very familiar. He's talking about Akish. He fled from Akish, the king of the Philistines, who was known as the ruler Abimelech. Does that make sense? Okay. That's important. Everybody, I can see everybody's like, wow, that was amazing. Yes, good. God bless you, my son. Yes. All right, so... Bill's already on it. He's already figured this thing out, so I'm going to help you. This whole psalm is an acrostic except for the last verse. By an acrostic, it means that each verse starts with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? So David didn't just pin this out in some momentary uh, uh, euphoria of excitement. He did. There was a lot of excitement. But he thought about how to write this out. And so the first verse, our first verse, begins with the Hebrew, word, the Hebrew letter Aleph, and then the second verse begins with the Hebrew letter Bet, and then the third verse begins with the Hebrew letter Gimel, Gimel, and it just goes on. So there's 22, basically 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet that drops one of those letters. So it ends up being 21 successive letters. Verse 22 does not begin... With the successive letters. It's like it's almost as you're reading it, you catch the rhythm of the alphabet, and then all of a sudden, verse 22 shocks you because it doesn't follow the train. I think that's just David's way of saying verse 22 is where he wants every one of us to end up. Okay? Verse 22 is probably the most, is probably the whole aim of this song. Does that make sense? All right. Yes. All right, so let's tell it slant here. See, greedy praise, verses 1 through 3, okay? So I bless the Lord at all times. I bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me, and let us exalt his name together. So uh, David describe uh, describe David's actions in the in verse one and the first part of verse two. What's what is his action? What is what are his actions? Yeah, praise the Lord, bless the Lord. Okay, and then he wants to do uh, yeah. That's it. So praise and bless the Lord, even his soul, his life, right? Not just his lips, but his life as well. That's what nefesh usually means. Is not what we think of his soul, but the life of someone, okay? So my very life, my very life, make its boast in Yahweh, okay? So how do his words point away from the insanity of his condition in 1 Samuel 21 to the sanity of of God's deliverance? As you're looking at especially at verses 1 through 3, all three of those verses, how does it point away from the insanity of, of his situation to the sanity of God? Yeah, what is he not praising? Himself. He's not pra- he's not praising how how just clever he was with his little plan and scheme. In fact, he's placing all of the deliverance where. Yeah, and what God has done Himself. Okay, so because you know you can play insanity all day long and it may not work. You know what I mean? I mean if you get it. So, but he's not praising himself. He says. In fact, he says, "My boast, my soul will boast." In Yahweh, right? Okay. Who knows? I mean, he was trying to get away from Saul, right? And so, for whatever reason, he thought he could find a safe place. But then he was outed. It's pretty pretty hard to hide a, a giant sword, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was human, so the chances are it was probably like, oh, crud, I made a mistake. You know, probably one of those moments, you know. (laughs) Yes, yes, his wife's saying, you knucklehead. (laughs) (laughs) So I find it interesting that the boasting, and all the way through the psalm, he's boasting, but there's specifically stated in verse 2, is boast, my soul will boast in Yahweh. And I find that uh, helpful because when you get like the 2 Corinthians, it's something that Paul brings up repeatedly. Like in 2 Corinthians 1, 12, he says, This is our boast, the testimony of our conscience, that we behave in the world uh, with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God as freely so toward you. But then you get to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17 and 18. that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Okay, Second Corinthians 10, 17, and 18. What David is doing, it's the very thing that Jeremiah says, what not the wise man glory in his wisdom, what not the mighty man glory in his might, nor what the rich man glory in his riches, for let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. And so that boasting, you know, there is a place in which you, if you, boast but you better end up boasting in the Lord in the end right if nothing else you've got to go there and so that's what David does he's really he's bragging on God what God has done he actually made this thing work right and got him out of hot water okay yes a holy boast that's right a holy boast inspired fired by the Holy Ghost sorry Hey, listen, you've got to get pretty early in the morning to get past me. That's right. That's right, yeah. All right, so explain how David's praise is greedy. When you start in the middle of the rest of verse 2 and end of verse 3, How is David's praise greedy? Yeah. That's it. Praise, praising God is never satisfied with just me doing it. Right? Wants to welcome and invite others to jump in here. Right? We do that with a doxology, for example. We're calling all of creation and all creatures to come and worship the Lord. It's very fitting, very biblical. Right? And that's normal. That's the way it should go. A greedy praise. We want everybody to get on board and give God, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, so it is greedy praise. Um, here's what Ralph Davis says. By the way, he is writing a new commentary on the next section in the Psalms, and I was excited. I told him, I said, Wee! that's what I said to him. Yeah, no, no, he's not. He didn't ask me to do a blurb this time. So. Oh, but he did tell me this. I told him that our youngest son is getting married this May, and he goes, so you got to remember, Derek was born on 20 August, 2000. He goes, oh, that would be Derek, yeah. I baptized him on 27th of August, 2000, right? I thought it was cool that he remembered when he baptized Derek. It was just really cool. So I had to send him a picture of the baby he baptized, you know. So I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Here's what Ralph Davis says Praise is greedy because it's always seeking to multiply itself. Praise cannot be content to be solitary, it craves company. Praise is always covetous of more praise. It tries to be infectious. It's, it is always after a fellowship of praise. That was a great way to put that, right? And that's, so there you go. Greedy, greedy praise. Any questions before we move on? All right. So, ground of praise, verses four through seven. Um, so what's uh, uh, first of all, I want you to keep an eye on it. You can't see the Hebrew word because you're reading English, but there's a Hebrew word, makal that's used four times. And there's the verses. And here's how it's used in translated like an ESV. From all, out of all, out of all, out of all. Okay, that's that Hebrew word, makal It's interesting that it ties this whole psalm together. And so, from all, out of all, out of all, out of all. It's just a, a universal or a grand A grand uh, statement is what he's saying. So, like you see in verse four, I sought Yahweh and He answered me and delivered me, Macab from all or out of all my fears. Okay, and that will come up again when you get down to verse six. Save me out of all of of his troubles. Verse, uh, verse, um, verse nine. No, wait, verse seventeen. When the righteous cry for help, Yahweh hears and delivers him out of all his troubles. Verse 19, many of the are the afflictions of the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. I mean, that's great news. Right? That little bitty word, mccall, Woo! Right? That that was a Steve moment there, sorry. C'est la. C'est la. Right? Very important. Alright, so as David reflects back over God's rescue. Uh, this becomes the ground, of his, the ground of praise. He's thinking about how God rescued him, and so he pictured his situation. I sought Yahweh. So while he just looked like in 1 Samuel 21, he was just playing the insane game, no, he actually sought Yahweh, and the Lord answered him, delivered him from all of his troubles, and those who looked at him are radiant, their faces will never be ashamed, shouldn't be ashamed. This poor man, notice how he's characterizing himself, this poor man cried, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh camps around those who fear him and delivers them. And so this is the ground of his praise. The praise is greedy, greedy praise. So here's the ground of praise. And it's how God has delivered him as he sought him. So notice how verse 6 and 7 hearken us back to chapter 33. So 6 and 7. This poor man cried, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Somebody read chapter 33, verse 18 and 19. Yeah, so it's that same kind of delivering us out of all these afflictions and so forth. So it does hearken back to that. Um, Then you have the angel of Yahweh, and that's interesting. Anybody know anything about the angel of Yahweh from the Old Testament? Anybody know what that means? Yeah, yeah, it's a a Christophany, right? And so... um, very often you'll see, in fact, like when Moses goes and sees the bush, the burning bush, it's the angel of Yahweh who speaks to him, and if you follow the language, you realize it goes from the angel of Yahweh said, and it says Yahweh said, and so there's a similarity and a distinction, okay? And this goes all the way through the Old Testament, it's the, you've got to have the definite article, the angel of Yahweh, okay, versus an angel of Yahweh, right, so, um, um, who was the, who was the angel that spoke to Mary uh, uh, Gabriel it says an angel of the Lord spoke an angel of the Lord spoke to Mary his name was Gabriel right so an angel versus the angel of Yahweh okay and so it's interesting the angel of Yahweh encamps around them does that remind you of anything maybe in the New Testament possibly like maybe John 114 possibly no, Oh, good job, John Harris, yes. Woo! All right, so think about how John begins, okay? So the angel Yahweh is able to speak for, you know, speaks as Yahweh, is Yahweh, but it's distinct. So John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, with God, and the Word was God. And then you get down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you've heard this every Christmas dwelt among us, in the Greek, is pitched his tent among us, encamped around us. Anybody see the connection there? Right? Very interesting. David is already seeing Jesus as he's writing this psalm. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear the Lord. Okay? So, very good. Alright. So, verses 8-10. Anybody have anything on in verses 4-7? Anything else? Verses 8-10, engendering praise. So this whole section is inviting you and me to step in and experience the goodness of Yahweh, to fear Yahweh, and to seek Yahweh. Notice how inviting us in. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you as saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. Okay, so it's inviting us in, engendering praise, inviting us into uh, experiencing the goodness of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, to seek the Lord, and to give Him our praise. Okay? Um, so how does verse 8 show up? Verse 8 shows up in 1 Peter. Anybody know the context there? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you'll hear me use that at communion. No, but you're gonna find out the context now. Okay, so hold Psalm 34 go to first Peter chapter 2 first Peter 2 In fact, what's interesting is that Psalm 34 is on Peter's brain as he writes second Peter first Peter It will show up again, and I'll show you where it shows up Here in a minute so first Peter 2 1 through 3 somebody read can somebody read first Peter 2 1 3 Jump in there. Just go for it now. There it is. There it is. Psalm 34, verse 8. If indeed you have taste, the Lord is good. It's interesting, the context is the malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. And we're going to get to the second quote, the second portion of, of Psalm 34 that's quoted in Peter later. And it has a lot to do with malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. It's going to be when we get down to verse 11 through 14. So uh, Peter has Psalm 34 on his brain. But what a great way to put it. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? What a great verse! Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What a great verse at communion! Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses man, blesses the one who takes refuge with Him. Okay, it's a delightful verse. And so it's engendering praise. Anybody on um, these verses? Anybody? So we told it slant. Now we're going to tell it straight. Here's the mandate, and it's verses 11 through 14. And just summarize somebody summarize um, um, the mandate? What's the mandate in summary form? Verses four, 11 through 14. Mandate. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That's basically it. And so he starts out in verse 11 and 12, calling us and calling us children, calling us to listen. He's gonna. He's gonna learn us. Sorry. That's, my Oklahoma pastor yes. he's gonna learn us good right so listen to me I'll teach you the fear of Yahweh what man is there who desires life and loves many days and may see good okay so what is the uh, so the goal of the mandate is what what's the goal of the mandate verse 11 and 12 that's what we're gonna do yes I will teach you the fear of the Lord yes Anybody else? Yes. Yes. If you desire life, right, and you like many days, and you want to see good, here you go. Right? Very good. So that's kind of the, the goal there. So how do we get to the goal? Verses 13 through 14. I'm listening. What? Turn away from the evil do good, live righteously. Come on, there's more. Huh? Seek peace and pursue it. Watch what you say. Isn't that interesting? This is actually going to go along with the sermon this morning, providentially, okay? When we get to Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. But isn't that intriguing that this is part of the good life is the way you use words or it can be part of the bad life, the way you misuse words, right? And so there's the... There's the, the way to get there. Notice also that the good that we desire, verse 12, he who desires good is the good we're to do, verse 14. Let him do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, but let him do good, right? So the good we desire is the good, there's also the good that we go do. There's that connection as well. I already gave you the that. So where is verse 11 through 14 in the New Testament? And what is it doing there? Anybody have a cross-reference in your Bible? You can always use that. Or your Bible app. It's probably like after Hebrews in one of those letters. Ah, did I hear Peter? Heart, did I hear Peter? Okay, I hear Peter. Now, which one? You got 50% right or wrong here. First or second Peter? First Peter. Very good. All right, now we're getting warm. You remember playing that game, hot and cold? Huh? Wrong. Huh? Yeah, chapter three. It starts in verse eight. So first Peter three. 1 Peter 3, as Peter is narrowing down, you try to remember that, when I use the imagery of the funnel, right? So it's very broad generalities. Here's how you're to, how you're to be in your social environment and, and deal with kings and emperors. And then Christian slaves, here's how you're to do, be and so forth. And then chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Christian wives, here's how you're to be. And it gets even narrower. Christian husbands, here's how you're to be. And now he gets down to all of us. And it starts in verse 8. And listen for the psalm. For, that word for is not back in Psalm 34, but I'm going to come back to it in a minute. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to the prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So why is Peter drawing in Psalm 34 as he he gets down to these verses? Why would he be doing that? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so, yeah, our behavior, both in our families and our church, but also even outside, beyond that, just in our normal relationships. Here's how you behave. Because Jesus did all of this, chapter one, did all of this for us and made us a new people. We've been born again by the mercy of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a hope that no one can take away. It can't get bankrupt. It can't be tarnished. We have all of this. He's redeemed us with something more precious than gold and silver, the very blood of Jesus. He's done all of this for us, and he's brought us into his kingdom and into his family, and here's how we as a family are to be with each other and even with those outside the family. Okay? And so it fits. It fits Psalm 34, and you already saw how he has, how David seems to be, looks to be having Jesus already in mind as he's talking back in verse, uh, verse, um, verse 8 or verse 7, the, the angel of Yahweh camps around. So it's a very Christian concept as you think about Psalm 34 and then how it actually applies to the way that we live. So it's really a delightful psalm to remember. And So that's the mandate. Here's how we're to be. Um, and it is intriguing. It's very simple. Peter makes a lot of hay out of it, but it's very simple. Keep your tongue from evil. Lips from speaking to seek. Turn away from evil and be good. Seek peace and pursue it. So it's not enough just to say, I'm a peaceful person. It's seeking peace, and then you chase it down. Okay? Great. Anybody have any questions or anything on that? Any additions? Need to correct me? Did I do something wrong? Alright. So, keeping 1 Peter 3, 8 and 12 in mind, and I emphasize how the word "for" is in is in 1 Peter 3, but it's not here in, in the Psalm. Okay? Um, but verse... But based on what Peter Peter's reading that, it seems like that's probably what David was implying, and Peter just brings it out that um, the clear reason for living this way, verses 11 through 14, is because of verses 15 through 16. In some sense, right? Here's the here's the cause because. Before the eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry, the face of Yahweh is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. It's just like James 4 verse 6 and 1 Peter 5, God opposes whom? The proud, but gives grace to whom? The humble, right? And so that same teaching. And so notice that verse 15 is good news, and what's good news for some is bad news for others. Verse 16. If the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are open to their prayer, that's good news. Praise the Lord for that. But here's the bad news side of that. And what is it? The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Okay. You say that a lot. I do. Yeah. Some of us just can't get off of these little things like that. Right? But it's really helpful when you have that, that in your head you finally realize the gospel is only good news to some and it is bad news to others, for example. Right? Jeremiah and other places that uh, the cry is, turn your face to me and listen to me, right? Very, which is very, um, I mean, that's really heartwarming, right? I mean, when, when, you know, when you're raising kids, right, look at me, right? No, 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 look at me, because you know, as soon as they look at you, you now they may be in la-la land, but you at least... Have the momentary facade of thinking they're listening to you, right? And so then, when you're when you were a kid and your dad, and you're talking to your dad. I'm sure this happens, you know. You talk to your dad and you say, "Daddy, I want your attention." And dad's busy doing something else and he's distracted. You just don't feel like you're heard. But when he stops, puts down whatever he's doing, he turns to you and says, "I'm listening to you, son." You know, I'm being heard. I'm being I'm being noticed as a person, and he's hearing. And that's the the way that language is used, And so for him to turn his face away, right, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now there's a, not necessarily turning away, but actually that face now that, that is good news for some, now becomes bad news for others. Yes, Pam. Yeah, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which is good news for some and bad news for others. Very good. So, uh, uh, let's see who wrote this. Oh, Patrick Henry he wrote this in his uh, uh, commentary, his little devotional commentary called "Christ in the, Go- in the Psalms." So notice verse 15 and 16. God actively resists the proud man and gives his grace to the humble. God really does discriminate. I mean, that's important to remember. God does discriminate, and our psalmist elaborates the consequences of this discrimination. Okay, we use discrimination in a, in a different, uh, often in a, with a different aspect to it, but the fact that God does discriminate. He knows His and he knows those who are not his, and those who have turned their, away from him, those who are evil, he knows that. And he discriminates, he's fair. There's, a, there's an impartiality with God. In fact, like Paul and many others say, there is no partiality in God, right? So there is a discrimination in that. And we do it all the time, I mean, but we do it in other ways. Um, we even have a discriminating love, which God has. And I've used this before, talking about this, I love all the people in my neighborhood, but not enough that I'm going to just die for them. You know what I'm saying? Right? But I love them. I go to knock on the door and talk to them, get to know them and all those things. But I love my, um, I love my family more. And I have to tell the voice sometimes, and I love their mother even more than I love them. That's how you came to life, because I loved her more. Right. So there's that discriminating love that's extremely important, and God discriminates in that way as well. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Good. Okay. So there's the. Uh, this is the motivation. Here's why. Uh, verse why verses eleven through fourteen are important, why the mandate is important. Here's the motivation. Okay. Um, what we're getting into here. Uh, so catalog the promises that motivate us when you get down to verse 17 and 18 What are some of the promises there catalog those fours lay them out the fours? What are the promises in verse 17 and 18? That motivate us? Yep, you'll hear us deliver us I'm sorry You'll be near us That you know saved it's very good. By the way, I really do think that verse 18 is a wonderful verse. You probably need to say that more often when we go visit people in the hospital or or whenever we're dealing with people in in critical moments. The Lord is near to whom? The broken heart. He saves the crushed in spirit. Right, what a, what a heartwarming set of promises. Because when do you feel like God is the furthest away from you? When your heart's broken and you're crushed. And just to be reminded again, no, God is near the brokenhearted and saved by your Christ's spirit. Make me cry. I'm going to stop there. Okay, so here's Joe Ralph Davis again. Notice that there is no cover-up of need. As you're looking at verses 19 through 21, there's no cover-up of need. Sometimes you can be reading Psalm, reading Psalm 34 and only hear the one side, but you've got to hear all of it. And so notice there's no cover-up here. Many are the afflictions of whom? The righteous. There's no name in a claimant here. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all His bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His saints, and none of those take rest. Uh, That's verse 22. So notice that there's, verse 18, there's brokenheartedness. There's crushed in spirit. There's troubles, Verse 17 there's affliction so there's no cover-up the surprise is that we're surprised when there are afflictions the surprise is that we're surprised that there is broken bones or brokenheartedness and so forth right and so i appreciate the psalm there's no cover-up there but the lord is with the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit he's with us even in the midst of that As as he says in Isaiah. He's afflicted with the affliction of his people. He's with us in it. Okay. Oh, it could be. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Very much a, an echo of John 19, that not one of his bones was broken. Yep. The Psalm 34 is a really significant song. So notice that harmfulness is the normal human situation or being harmed is what I mean Uh, But it doesn't erase the hopefulness and the help of Yahweh Okay, so uh, being harmed is the normal human situation But it doesn't erase the hopefulness and the help of Yahweh That's how those verses flow in there Any questions or anything on verse 11 and 12? Yes But the Stair Falls, yeah, 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 right, yeah. No, oh, that's just uh, there's, there's a I mean there's a real life way that that is helpful and um, heartwarming. You know, just just all this that we're talking about, because we you know we like to lie to ourselves, we like to deceive ourselves that. Um, no bad thing will ever happen to us. And then we're just scandalized when it does happen. Or, and we love to do this in our hearts at least, sometimes I have heard it from people's mouths, when something bad happens to somebody else, well, they must have deserved it. They must have sinned and deserved it. You know, but our go-to should be, you no, know, affliction happens to God's people, and it may not have nothing to do with anything about us. And that's how John Calvin would put it when you read some of his commentaries in his institutes, is that when Jesus saves us, he doesn't save us out of the normal suffering of humankind. We will die from plague. We will die from cancer. We will die from whatever like everybody else does. Right? But we have the one going with us who is, um, the Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because he sinned and not because his parents sinned. All right, that's John 9. Good. So then comes verse 22, and it is not part of the acrostic. It just does, It's just, boom, here it shows up, verse 22, um, and which makes me think that it is, if you want to put it this way, the moral of the story of Psalm 34, that this is where this psalm was headed and wants to leave us. Uh, is to think about verse... is to, to walk away with verse 22 on our lips and, and in our hearts. Yahweh redeems the life of His servants and none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. Um, I want you to notice the contrast of condemnation. Who will be condemned? Previous verse, verse 21. Who will be condemned? Yes, those who hate the righteous, right? They will be condemned. So it's interesting that He uses that again... But those, who, um, but those who take refuge in him will not be condemned. Those folks will be condemned, here is the Lord again making the distinction, right? Good news for some, bad news for others, right? They will be condemned. You take refuge in him, you won't be condemned. Verse 22 should remind you of what promise declared in the New Testament. Okay. Yeah. Say it again, Mike. Therefore, no more condemnation. For those in Christ Jesus, those who have taken refuge in the Lord, those who are in Christ Jesus, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Well, there's Psalm 34. I'm surprised we made it this soon. I right? was think we were going to be out of here until 11:12. We'll do Psalm 35 next week, uh, but I want you to be have Psalm 34 in your head and kind of uh, go back and look at it and see the Jesus, the Jesus focus. Our Lord, the focus of our Lord Jesus. That's that's in there, right? That goes along with something that Peter says in First Peter, how the prophets actually were prophesying with the grace that was to be yours. Okay. But I want you to also think about here's the good life. Very simple. Here's the good life and I want to do this because God is good to us. Right? That phrase. And then I hope you walk into the sanctuary this morning with verse 22 in your head. Just go back and read it. Go back and think about it. Okay? All right. Let's pray. What good news, Lord, for your people? But you're the God who does rescue your people. You're the God who also is with your people when they're brokenhearted. You save them when they're crushed in spirit. you're the one who delivers us from all, out of all of those troubles and afflictions. And we know that's the case. It may not be the case right this moment. It may not be the case even while we're walking around shuffling and picking up dust on the earth at this moment. But it is the case, because Christ has risen, He's risen indeed, and He will come and raise us as well. We know that that's the case. And so, Lord, we pray that you would buoy up our hearts in stormy seas and in tumultuous times, that we would always remember you, we would always look to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we think about the fear of the Lord and desiring life and loving many days to see good, Lord, to help us to keep our tongues from evil, especially in a day right now where it's so easy to spread evil at the click of a button to keep our lips from speaking deceit when it's so easy now to spread deceit with a click of a button that we turn away from evil do good we seek peace to pursue it i pray for all of us lord that as we get ready to go into the assembly that we would be thinking about how greedy praise is and delighted to draw others in and invite others in and may we all be singing of jesus and singing of your great redemption For you, Lord, redeem the life of your servants. Not one of those who take refuge in you will be condemned. In Jesus' name, amen.